Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the NUFC Blogcast. I'm your host, Ed, and I'm here once again with the editor of NUFCblog.co.uk, Ollie. Ollie, how are you? Yes, good, thanks. I'm uh, enjoying the sun, missing the football, but enjoying the sun. Makes the change. Good. Well, let's find out what's happening on the NUFC Blogcast this week. Coming up, a weekly roundup of summer news. Mike Ashley's paddling pool back by popular demand. The poll of the week. We tackle your questions from Twitter. And I challenge Ollie on FYI. Brilliant. So we've properly, properly entered the summer now, haven't we, Ollie? Um, my voice, I do apologise, is a bit gravelly. I was out last night at a fantasy football gig um, thing that I was doing. So, uh, yeah, are you you said you're enjoying the sun. Where are you right now? Are you up in the northeast? No, I'm I'm down in Burton now. I'm uh, from Gateshead, but my wife um, had me to move back to the Burton where she lives now. So I, I drew the short straw there a little bit. But, yeah, can't <laughs> complain. The weather's nice. So, weather's yeah, I'm nice. in Burton at the minute. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so let's start with this weekly roundup. There's been a few bits of news that have come out uh, this week, uh, as there will be every week uh, this summer with Newcastle. So let's talk about the first thing. Uh, we seem to have signed someone out of nowhere or about to sign someone, Ollie. Yeah, so, I mean, I know it's always it's always a funny one saying it's done before it is official, but it does seem like this, this one is done. So Fabrizio Romano put it out a few days ago that we'd agreed a deal in the region of £6 million to sign this Gambian winger, this 18-year-old winger called Yankuba Minte. I think it's, that's how you pronounce it. Probably. Um, <laughs> Don't ask me. Um, Sounds great, mate. <laughs> Let's go with that. He plays in the Danish league for a team called Odense. Again, um, you've nailed it. You've nailed the pronunciation. Well done. Get in there. Get in. I'm not normally very good at that, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so he's one of those out of nowhere and it kind of, it kind of reeks of the Dan Ashworth type thing, doesn't it? When you, when you see Brighton and the way they just pluck gems out of nowhere from from leagues who aren't really watched that that much it's it does it does sort of reek of the Dan Ashworth kind of deal so so yeah it's um he's meant to be coming in for six million providing he receives a work permit but I think I think that one should be done and then I know the athletic said that he's expected to be loaned out pretty much as soon as he comes so both him and Garan Cole seem to be in that category of uh sort of hidden gem out of nowhere both sort of very young he's only 18 um so yeah, he'll be coming in then, and getting loaned back out. But it's and it's exciting to be getting he? these players in. He's what a winger. Position? He's a winger. Okay, winger. And yeah. Do we know anything else about him? I mean, I can't claim to have seen him play, but from the YouTube videos, he looks like he's got a bit of pace, a bit of trickery. He's the got YouTube four videos. Goals. I love that. I love the YouTube videos. I wish someone had made a compilation of the best moments in my footballing career. Like I'd look like a pro. Any of us would if it was clipped like that. But yeah, no, these YouTube. Uh, I'm a proper YouTube scout. I love it. So he he looks good on YouTube, does he? Yeah, I mean, according to YouTube, he's the Gambian Messi. Quite literally, oh, well. that's what they're calling him. There so, we go. I'll take it. There's a way to scout. Let's just type in YouTube, the Gambian Messi, and then we'll type in the Frenchman Messi, and we'll get them. And then we'll type yeah, in exactly. the Brazilian Messi, and we'll get them, you know. We did the Australian Messi, and we got Grand Cole. So, yeah, let's just keep doing it. Yeah, who can't get a game for hearts. But, yeah, other than that. Yeah, that was, that's a bit of a messy one. I mean, to be honest with you, 
I can say the concern, and this this has happened a lot, where people say, like Shola Ramiobi, who's the loan coordinator, people say, what are we playing at? Loaning out players to clubs who don't then play the player. But yeah. one thing I do think about with Cole is he, he literally arrived when he'd not long turned 18 from Australia. He, he wasn't actually getting regular starts for that the Australian team, Central Coast Mariners. So it's not like he... I know he was an Australian international and he played at the World Cup. But when you think about it, he was he's come from the other side of the world and I think the fact Hearts probably appealed was the fact they had three Australian internationals in their squad. It was just up the road. Well, not just up the road, but obviously it's not it's not a long sort of train journey, let's just say, from Newcastle to go up to Hearts. So mm. if, if you kind of ship them out to, I don't know, somewhere in Portugal, or because they were linked to clubs like in Portugal and Belgium, then suddenly like it's not as easy to go and check on them. It's, there's probably not that quick journey back to Newcastle for little for tests or for conversations. And I just, I don't know. I, I think that first move wasn't really ever going to be one where he'd, he'd be starting every week. So it is obviously was a bit of a tough move. The fact he didn't play regularly, but if we get it right this summer, I'm sure it'll be fine and he'll progress. Let's hope so. Yeah. So there, Yankuba Minter. I bet, I don't know what odds, you know, people guessing who our first signing would be for the summer. Some people would have said, maybe Kieran Tierney, maybe James Madison. I don't think anyone would have gone for young Cuba Minter. So come out of nowhere. But yeah, promising, promise, promising youngster. Yeah, um, I mean, he's probably, it's, it must be said, he's probably one of those who almost won't get classed. You know, when Sky Sports at the end of the transfer window will mention all the players we've signed, they'll, they might even miss him out because he might class as sort of an under-21 signing who's really, not really for the academy because he, he won't be playing for the under-21s, I don't think. But it probably is worth saying that he's probably quite a way off the first team. But but yeah, it's it's nice to see us picking out these guys who hopefully in a few years' time will come through like the guys of Brighton have. And it's interesting because it's not like it's... Six million quid's a lot of money for someone if we didn't... You know, it's not like we've got this, oh, we've signed this youth guy on a free and he looks really promising. We're paying six million quid. That is very significant. So That is true, yeah. We, yeah, we obviously think... I think he's going to do something. Um, talking about transfers and scouting and everything, we, we've got a new scout in South America or something. What's going on, Ollie? Yes, so let me just double-check the pronunciation. Well, I don't know the pronunciation, but his name is Borja Dimatias, and apparently he's coming in to be our head scout in South America. And this is this is sort of at youth level as well, I think. So I really like that we're kind of building a team of scouts, not just up and down the country, but all over the world now to to make sure that we're picking out some of the best players in the world because let's face it like it's it's all good and well getting the sort of Botmans and Brunos at 30 40 million but if we can pick out those four five million gems who come as unproven teenagers and then within a couple of years become worth 50 million that's how you can really work within FFP limitations and and sign quality players isn't it so it's yeah this yeah, is that's... what I do on football manager I just go to South America and I get him to scout, you know, Argentina and Brazil and then just do it by age and then just look at all the 15-year-olds and sign a bunch of children who are absolutely unbelievable. It's great. Yeah, I mean, this this definitely feels like the Dan Ashworth way, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. Dan Ashworth uh... has definitely played football manager in his life, I tell you. Oh, definitely. definitely. I, bet, I bet he still plays. I mean, actually, no, he's not got the time, has he? He's not got the time. Do you know football manager actually sell their data? Um, part of the, one of their ways they make money is their scouting network and they sell their wow. data to clubs so you can really? buy a, yeah you can buy a football manager it's not called football managers but it's that database and it's like a searchable database of just all the players in the world that's how like significant it is it's very interesting do you know what? I've, I've never actually like i'm obviously massive on my football but i've never actually got into football manager purely oh, don't mate don't the don't. first time i got it's it not worth I'd... it it's gonna change you ruin your life yeah honestly <laughs> the first time i got it i made a profile and i realized 
the amount of work that had to go into playing it. I thought I've not got the time. Like, well, I there wish is, I had the time. Yeah, there's, there's more accessible versions. I mean, I started playing Championship Manager, which it was in 90... I remember Championship Manager 2 when I was about five or six. Mm. My dad still plays Championship Manager 97, 98, and he's never moved on. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he has to keep buying there? old computers it works on. And it's the only it's the only computer game he plays. Oh, and he just he, the other day I was home and he was like, "Look at this!" And he's Man City or something. Who obviously in Championship Manager Two were rubbish. Uh, yeah. And he's and he's won twenty league titles in a row with them or something. And he's just there smiling, eating his wine gums, very happy with himself. <laughs> this is a grown man, headmaster of a school. Uh, but yeah, this, anyway. so this guy Borja Dimatias, yeah. if I pronounced that right, had a little look there, and he's he's previously been the chief scout at Chicago Fire in the MLS. He's also been the assistant manager of Sporting Gijon, is it called? Gijon? Uh, yeah, Gijon. G-I-J-O-N. Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd pronounce that awfully, but I think it's, yeah, I think that's yeah, the one. But know. so, yeah, he's who knows? he's got experience there. The fact we're getting a guy who was the assistant manager of a La Liga team just a couple of months ago is, I'm guessing uh, he's got a pretty good calibre about me. I think I, I think as well he's an expert in Argentina. Um, right. Obviously, we'll have a bit of history there with Gutierrez, Colaccini as well. So, and the fact they've just got a lot of good players, haven't they? I mean, there's, I know Messi more recently has been the player that's carried them, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of good players in Argentina, you'd think. So, um, you'd think so. You'd think so. And after winning the World Cup, you'd think football would just be booming there even more. So, if, if he is an expert in that part of the world, it would be a good little, good, good little area to focus on, wouldn't it? Well, it looks like we're doing it. it looks like we are. Yeah. Love and it. you're right. The Dan Ashworth effect does seem to be this. Scouting, scouting network being set up. These players like Lankuba, Minter, uh, coming in. You know this sort of thing, which is it's, it's it's exciting. You know, I like. I know we keep saying it, but I like the fact we're not doing what some people predicted when we yeah. got all the money and saying, "Oh, go and get Ronaldo and pay him a million pounds a week." Well, no, I mean that would have been amazing for five minutes. But you know, we're not doing it that way. We're doing it the proper, admirable way. Um, yeah, which is great. That's uh, it. I've got a few friends of mine. I like quite a few of my friends support the likes of. Man United or Arsenal, Chelsea, a lot of the big six teams. And they, from the outside looking in, said, oh, Ollie, you'll be getting all of the world-class like, elite players this summer, yeah. won't you? Like, oh, I bet you bid for Neymar. And it's like, like, honestly, we won't be. Like, it's easy for people to look at it and think, now they're Champions League, now they can actually attract maybe the bigger names. Mm. I was like, no, no, we won't. That's not what we'll be doing. Like, don't get me wrong, there might be a part of the summer where an opportunity comes up and we we try. But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of love that that's what we're about now. It kind of like, allows you to really buy into these characters who really want to be there, not these not these has-beens who just see us as a payday. I really like that. Another piece of news this week, not so positive, is, uh, I mean, to be fair, Premier League manager of the season was tough this year. There were quite a few contenders, yeah. but a lot of people thought Eddie Howe was going to get it, and he didn't. Guardiola did. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was out when I saw it, and it popped up on my phone, and I was... I mean, I, I can't say I was shocked because I just know how it works. It tends to be that the guy that wins the league gets it. But I just, I find that a bit frustrating because now I don't want to take away from what Guardiola's done because I think he's amazing. And I think the sort of brand of football he has playing there and the fact that he makes Man City this machine who just seem, I mean, you, you look at them there, they're on for the treble. But the thing is, they've, they've already had a world-class, like best team in the Premier League and they've added Haaland to that. So I think them winning a title on the back of Arsenal kind of bottling it towards the end, don't get me wrong, it's still very impressive, but in terms of expectations pre-season to what a club has achieved, I think Newcastle, I just don't think they could be ignored, ignored, sorry. Um, 
yes, I'm biased, but I just think there's so many. If I had to put forward the arguments for how, there's just so many, I think. But maybe we're biased and maybe others would say fair enough to Guardiola and well, maybe it, it there's Bournemouth what manager. You, yeah, it depends what your what the criteria is, isn't it? It's like, yeah, Eddie Howe would be, he's improved a team more than anyone else. Because uh, yeah. Guardiola's team was already amazing. And he's got already an incredible squad and he's won the Premier League. Surprise, surprise. Like, and he's still amazing. Obviously, Pep Guardiola, he's on for the treble. But in terms of like an impact on a team from the start of this season to the end, like this season, yeah. how much it's changed. Eddie Howe all, all the way through. I mean, obviously you've got people like uh, even Unai Emery, you know, has done really well at Villa. Yeah. You've got yeah. the uh, uh, Brighton manager, De Zerbi, you know, all these sort of things as well. So, yeah. I mean, O'Neill at Bournemouth. I mean, the way Bournemouth have gone from, oh, they're definitely yeah. getting relegated and not reinvesting much to then staying up so yeah. comfortably that it's was just, that was so just, impressive you're right it's just frustrating that it works like that the win the, the you know the premier league winner will get it it's just like a bit boring isn't it it makes it it makes it a non-event it's just like, oh well i mean i think for me with how i mean we mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago that we've got the joint lowest defeats in the league we've got the joint best defense in the league in terms of goals conceded and yes we're tied with man city on those two fronts but we went into the season saying that i don't know a top seven finish where we could even like if we scro- scraped europa league or if we, if we were the best of the rest outside the big six, we kind of saw that as that would be a brilliant season. And to end up being fourth, where I know that's only sort of three, four positions higher, but there's a massive difference between seventh and eighth and finishing in the top four. And it's not just the fact we've done it, it's the nature of how we've done it. I mean, I think probably more than 50% of our starting 11 over the past season have been players who were here before the takeover. So whenever there's arguments of, oh yeah, but you're only fourth because you've signed Isaac and Botman and all that, it's like, well, okay, don't get me wrong, that plays a massive part, but then you can't overlook the fact Shaw's become what he's become. Uh, the likes of Longstaff, Armoron, Joe Linton, like these are players who people laughed at a couple of months ago and now they're now they want to point it towards the, the players we've signed as 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 to why we're so good. It's it's yeah, I just for me, we weren't meant to be top four this season, and the fact we've got there and done it the way we've done it, I just felt like how it couldn't be ignored. But yeah, anyway, it's it's just an award, isn't it? Anyway, there we go. Yeah, who cares? He's our manager of the season, Eddie Howe. So there you go. Um, um, training ground tour. Did you see our new training ground or not new? Our refurbished training ground. Yeah, the 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 Shola Amiobi video. I don't know if anyone yeah. everyone listening to this saw this, but um, they released a video on Twitter. It was about a four minute video of Shola Amiobi doing like an MTV crib style sort of little tour of the training ground, and it's it stayed in the same base in like uh, Benton, but it's it's just it looks so much like so much more slick and actually like a Premier League training ground should be. I mean, mm. I'm sure we will improve on it in time to come, but it was really good to see the improvements they've made then um, in a short space of time. I don't, I don't know if you saw the video. Ed. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I saw bits of it. And I, and I know that it was harking back to a famous showdown, Miobi, because he did do MTV Cribs or whatever yeah. um, back in 2003 or something. And it's hilarious because he's, he's, you can find it on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, type showdown, Miobi Cribs or whatever. And it's like, hey, I'm sure they'll be coming to my my crib, whatever. You go in, and basically the house is just a normal house. Yeah, I think at <laughs> one point he goes, "Here's the coffee table," and it's like, "Blum and Like, yeah, don't yeah. sell it too much. And then it points to the ceiling at one point. He's like, "Oh, I, ha- I had the ceiling raised by like three centimeters," and it's just, it's just what? Just the camera just pointing at the ceiling. It's like, it's so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, that video and the stuff like walking around, maybe I was more impressed than I should be because obviously we were used to 
the Mike Ashley days of where they, they cooled off in like bins, like bin, bins filled up with water and stuff. That was well, Mike Ashley's paddling pool, you know, which is well, exactly. Out. Yeah, mm-hmm. quite. So, but yeah, just looking through, they, they obviously had like a, a really like nicely done out canteen. They had recovery chambers, like a cinema room where the players would obviously sit and watch back clips or how would present there. Um, obviously, there's still limitations on what the, the training base has because it's still at a, it's still probably at a, quite a low level until they move to a different site. But mm. even the little bits like the volleyball bits they've got outside, it just looks so much smarter and so much more professional, I suppose. So it's yeah. good to see them being proactive there and actually making changes for the short term before we move to a new a new base altogether. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that finishes the weekly roundup. We've got plenty more coming up. We're going to... Well, there's been one thing that people have been crying out for, Ollie, I'm going to be honest. We did Mike Ashley's Puddling Pool episode one and two, and then we had a bit of a break for it. And I've been inundated, inundated with exactly zero emails asking for it to come back. So it's going to make a return right now. We left Mike. Uh, he's he, he was born. His, his parents vomited into the fireplace to, to celebrate. Uh, he has he was in nursery with Lee Charnley, um, and basically he's about to start school. So let's catch up with Mike Ashley's paddling pool. But we now need to bolt the horse on, and we're going to. Mike Ashley joined the local prep school, Smeltings Academy, in September 1970. Smeltings was a prestigious private boys' school just outside London. Teachers noted of Mike that he was an average student. They were perplexed, however, at his behaviour in maths. No matter what the question was, Mike always circled the largest number on the page every time. The question could be, Mohammed has six eggs, Felicity has three eggs, how many eggs do they need to make ten? Mike would just circle the ten. In 1972, Mike Ashley started a tuck shop at the school, selling sweets and goodies to his peers and even some of the staff. Success followed with the tuck shop winning, a, winning an award for Local Business of the Year in Walsall. Things turned sour, however, when Mike started putting all the reception aid's children on zero-hour contracts. One young worker said outside the school gates as he left work with bleeding fingers that the zero-hour contract left him and his family with no stability and cited exploitative working practices. Rio Ferdinand said this was all fine because Mike had the tuck shop on a sound financial footing. (laughs) Ollie, a new feature we're starting, Poll of the Week. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, yeah, so we thought we'd collaborate with Toon Polls on Twitter. I don't know if people have listened and have heard of that, but they probably have if they're on Twitter. He's, um, basically, if you, put a, if you put a poll out on Twitter, you have to tag Toon Polls. It's an unwritten rule of NUFC Twitter. So we, I got in touch and I said, I tell you what, if we put out a poll each week, we'll mention it on the podcast. We'll see what result we get. We'll see the comments and we'll just go through it. So this is the first poll. Um, so I asked followers, which position do we need to strengthen most this summer and why? So the options I've put together are left back, centre back, centre midfielder or right winger. Um, and we've had 3,000, nearly 4,000 votes. Yeah, this, this just for the time of recording, it's still got 50 minutes left of the vote, but it's obviously it's pretty well set now who the, mm. the favourites are. So Ed, firstly, before I name the results, who mm. would you say would be your priority to strengthen this summer? Left back. Left back. I think so. Um, not because Dan Burns done a poor job, but if yeah. we're going to have one an elite back four that is going to going to um, challenge in the in the Champions League, 
then you know Dan Byrne is is solid. We love him, but he's not an elite left back. He's he's mainly he's yeah. a centre back anyway, and he's a great squad player. And he'll do really well in the Champions League. But we need a, you know Kieran Tierney or a top top Got left you. back. Um, yeah. So I go. I think left back. Well, I mean, what I are the options again? Actually... Left back, centre back, centre mid, and right wing. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, one of each. One of each would be that, good. One of each would be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, there was comments that said exactly that we're going to need we're going to need one of each, which is true. But I was just thinking there, if there was a priority where we were going to maybe, if there was one you wanted us to nail or, or, or to spend the most money on, which one would it be? But yeah. I can exclusively reveal that Toon Pulse's vote was a left back. He messaged me back and said, "Yeah, he he's with you," and pretty much said the same thing that the guy. I know there's stuff the at Toon Pulse, mate. Me and Toon Pulse, yeah, you know, you in there? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, here's what the was results the result? then. Yeah, what was here's it? the results. So with just 3% of the vote was centre-back. With 16% of the vote was right-winger. 33% of the vote left-back. And just short of 48% was centre-midfielder. Oh, interesting. It's funny so, yeah, that you said so... centre-back's only 3.3. Is that just because people love Shah and Botman and they're so good-looking, probably? But I mean, <laughs> I suppose it's, prior- it's priority, isn't it? That's the question. Priority. I mean, centre-mid, you know okay. If we went through each one, so very briefly there, so centre-back, yeah. I can see why it's so low. Because, as you say, the current pair are just... You, if they stay fit all season, they're, they're, they're fine. They're really, they've been brilliant. Mm. The only thing that I would say is a counter to that, not to suggest them as the most important, but if one of those got injured, you'd be looking at, say, Jamal Lascelles coming in, and he's obviously a very different profile in terms of playing out from the back and things like that. So it's not a huge priority, but I do think in time, well, even now... Um, it's important that we get someone who can compete with Shaw, but then also, if the when the picture the, the pictures the, the fixtures pile up, it's important we've got someone to step in. But I can't see why that's low. Um, right winger, personally, I was surprised. Right winger was only at sixteen percent because I don't know if you remember, but last summer it felt like the big priority was getting a right winger who could be that sort of game changing signing who could get a sort of 15 goals and yeah but then Almiron had a player. storming season didn't he so that's why exactly. it's gone down the priority list yeah I just think though see I can as you say I can see why Almiron's forms had people wondering whether he's enough now but I still think as as good as Almiron's been I, I I just still think that is a huge part of the team that if we can if we can get a Bruno level signing in it on the right wing and a player who can come in and get say 15 goals I mean I know Almiron's just got double figures but if they, they, that might be able to take our attack to the next level because as much as Amron's improved, I think the Chelsea game was kind of a reminder of that he, he sometimes does need a couple of chances to score. I know he went through that incredible patch, but um, I'm not really expecting Amron to be tearing up defences in the Champions League next season, but I hope he proves me wrong. I mean... Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I would be very surprised, happily surprised, if Amron matches that goal tally in the Premier League again. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I just think he's he's had a storming season, well played, brilliant, but I don't think he can be consistently that good. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's getting older as well. He looks he looks like he's still, I mean, mid to early 20s, but he's. I think he's actually, let me double check. I think he might be sort of 28, 29 now, which don't get me wrong. That's not him getting like, he's not, that's not old, old, but he's certainly getting towards that age where it wouldn't, wouldn't be long. He's 29, until he yeah. He's 29, yeah. He's 29, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was a little bit surprised the, wing, the right winger position was so low. And then it obviously got to left back, which obviously you and Toonpoles have said was the biggest priority. And that's that's a little bit below centre mid. So, so yeah, one in three people think left back's the biggest one. And I can see why. I mean, I think as good as Burns being, he, I know Toonpoles said this, that teams tend to target us in that position where 
they probably see Burners, even though he's I personally think he's a pretty solid defender, but they probably see it if they can get their winger running at Burn. I mean, if you remember that game at the Emirates earlier in the, the season, when Saka was going at him first half, we were really struggling. And mm. if you're going into the Champions League, there's a good chance there's going to be wingers out there who will really fancy their chances against Burn. Mm. Um, yeah, 100%. But I don't, I think it's more than more than just defensively, though. I think it's his limit, limitations going forward. And the fact he doesn't really get past the halfway line much. And when he does, he's not really a natural, is he, at getting the ball into the box? So, mm. um, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, centre mid, nearly 50%. That's that's a massive chunk, isn't it? Huge. I mean, well, yeah, and you can kind of see, I mean, we do need, I think it's probably the end of the season that's put that into our heads a bit more. When we suddenly had a couple of injuries, we just, you know, suddenly Anthony Gordon's in centre mid with Elliot Anderson. And you, you suddenly go, wow, you know, uh, we haven't got much strength and depth in that position. So, yeah, a centre mid. I mean, I don't know who we take out. Sean Longstaff is the obvious one, but he's been so good because you're obviously you're not going to drop Joe Linton and Bruno. So, feels I mean, a bit to be honest with you, I think with centre mid, I got there was a couple of interesting comments which were kind of um, mentioning why they thought centre mid was so important. So, I think there was a one or two people there which made a good point saying that it's a position where yes, we've got good options when everyone's fit. But because we play three centre midfielders, if one of them gets injured, like we've seen when Bruno gets goes out or Willock pulls his hamstring, it, it suddenly makes us have to, like the Chelsea game, put like a Gordon into midfield, which isn't ideal. And when that midfield's kind of a huge part of our team in terms of the pressing and moving the ball forward, if you kind of if that if that just unsettles the way we play and we're suddenly relying on like an Anderson to drop into midfield or a Gordon. Um Another person also said it would allow Bruno to play further forward, so it would almost be like having two new signings. That's what someone mentioned. Mm. Um, so yeah, fair enough. But well, as we said, we're hoping to get one of each. So big well, summer. That's it. Big that's big it, summer. Yeah, definitely. Let's take a break. Uh, sorry, my voice is. Can you hear me? I keep going, keep going squeaky. I've lost my voice <laughs> from shouting and playing football yesterday. Um, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and answer some of your Twitter questions. Ollie, Twitter questions. You've sent me them over here, so I'm going to have a look here. We've got three uh, to look at. First from Paul Livingston. Thank you, Paul, for your question. Who is your one to watch over pre-season? What do you reckon, Ollie? Now, I think mine would be Anthony Gordon because there's been a lot of talk from Howe and from Gordon himself that he's not quite got up to speed physically with the sort of intensity of our training, maybe in the fitness levels. And that's probably shown in some of his performances. He hasn't been quite at that sort of high intensity, all action levels you saw from when he was at Everton. So I think it would be really good to see him have a good, I think it's the European Championships for the under 21s. So if he, if he can have a good summer with them and then come back full of confidence and get fit and sort of impress over the preseason friendlies, we could see like a different player and someone where we can, kind of believe why we've paid that money for. So I really hope it's a big one from him. And I think I think if, if if there's one player who could be really knuckling down to improve his fitness levels and to go into the season sort of really full speed ahead, I think it could be him. Um, mm, yeah. I don't know what, I, I think, don't know if there's anyone on your mind. Well, yeah, I think, uh, I was just thinking there, for me, I think it's less an individual, but something to look out for on pre-season is just how what we're going to do next season, having Isak and Wilson, will they both start? Will they not? Who's going to start? Is it going to be Isak? Is it going to be Wilson? What? How is that dynamic going to work? And I think that's something I'll be looking at. Obviously, preseason doesn't always give you those answers because everyone's just getting games and it's experimental and stuff. But that's the yeah. thing I'll be looking at, I think. Um, so the Yeah, that's a good I point, isn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean, when Wilson's 
firing on all cylinders and scoring like he was at the end of the season. He, you can't really take him out of the team, but then you, you, Isaac's so good as well that he he's always has to be a key part. And I know there were some people, when the team sheets came out over the final few weeks of the season, they were like, oh no, not Isaac on the wing. They thought he was a bit wasted there, but then you, but then does how then that Everton then that Everton assist happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was a ridiculous, oh, unbelievable. Chris um, has asked a question at Green Up NU underscore NUFC underscore nine. Um, get a catchier uh, handle, Chris. Um, his question is: If you could sign, well, he's actually said if you could sign one player, who would it be? But I think he means if you could sign one player, who would it be? Now, I suppose we've got to set some rules here. Is does he mean anyone, or does it have to be realistic? Well, it's probably better to say realistic. I mean, okay. well, realistic. Yeah. I, I take I take Kieran Tierney because I think that is realistic. I think that might happen, and I think it's yeah. as I said, left back is the position um, that we need to strengthen. So that's what I'd pick. I tell you, there's one player, and I can't claim to have seen him that much, but the times I have seen him, is it someone on YouTube called the like the Canadian Messi or something? No, <laughs> it isn't actually. But so I was told twelve months ago there was a journalist called Jack Talbot who. He's a really nice guy, and we speak quite a lot now. And he gave me a couple of exclusives over the past year transfer windows. And 12 months ago, he said we held talks with Nice over Kefren Turam, who's this oh, young, yeah. like six foot four, holding midfielder who can also carry the ball forward. He, looking at him as a sort of profile, he seems to have a bit of everything. And he, uh, after being linked with him, there was a game they had in the Europa League, and I watched him, and he, he looked exactly like people, how people described him. This quite lanky, a bit like Isaac's kind of build, six foot four, but deceptively kind of mobile with that. Right. And I look at him and think, if you could add him to our midfield, it would be just quite exciting to have a player of his flair and like physicality mixed in with the likes of Bruno and Joe Linton and Willock and all that. So he's someone that we still get linked to. Apparently, Steve Nixon's a big fan of him. I know the Athletics said that he's someone, Steve Nixon, the head of recruitment really likes. And I know Liverpool have been linked a lot, so have PSG. So he's someone that, we have been linked with who when I've watched really looks at the real deal. So um right. it, it's a little bit of YouTube scouting there as well. I can't lie, but from the, from the one or two games I've seen him play on TV, he really has looked the real deal. So, so yeah, he's someone I would love to have in that midfield. If we're going to, if we're going to sign sort of a, a midfielder to join the current crop. Great. Liam at Liam K 1998 underscore has asked, as we made it to the Carabao cup final season, uh, this season just got, sorry. As we made it to the Carabao Cup final season just gone, is the expectation to win a trophy next season? I think I'd answer that to say, no, it's not the expectation. I don't think if we don't win a trophy, we'll be disappointed. Um, yeah. But a good cup run and, and sort of competing in the... All we, all we ever wanted as Newcastle fans was to compete in the Cups, wasn't it? Not to just bow out as we did for so long. So, no, I don't yeah. think it's the expectation. What do you think, Ollie? Yeah, well, I pretty much agree with what you said there, really. I mean... I think one danger is because we've just reached a final in, in our first season, well, full season under Howe, there could be an expectation of we're expecting to kind of do it again and get to a final and really push again. But then you've got to be careful of that because sometimes the draw doesn't always allow you to get to that that far. I mean, we actually had a pretty kind draw. I remember it. I can't remember it off by heart, but we I think we had Tranmere, Carabao Cup anyway. It was Tranmere in the first round. And then I don't know the exact order, but we had the likes of Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, Leicester, and I can't remember much else than that, but it wasn't a, we didn't really have any sort of heavyweights to to knock out before getting to the final. So sometimes the draw has to work in your favour. But yeah, I think it would be dangerous to expect to just do the same because 
at the end of the day, like you say, it wasn't long ago. We just wanted to to get a few wins in the cup and just take it seriously. So we were almost ahead of schedule there, getting getting to a cup final in the first full season. So, so yeah, I definitely want to see us attack the cups again and take them seriously, which I'm sure we will. But but yeah, but yeah, we're we're going to be competing on so many fronts next season. Two domestic cups, the Champions League, the Premier League, and it's going to be a lot, isn't it? If we if we can't, well, I'm sure we will. But if we if we if we can't really sort of develop the squad, improve not only on quality but strength and depth, we are going to struggle to compete on all all four fronts. So it's going to be tough. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you, Liam, Chris, and Paul for your questions. Um, we're going to go to have a break, and then we're going to go to FYI, man. So, Ollie, you absolutely stumped me last week with FYI, man. Um, I wonder whether if you were listening at home, you got it. But it was in the end. Who was it? Abdelufay or something? Who was it? Yeah, Abdelufay. Yeah, uh, Abdelufay. Sam yeah. centre back. Yeah. At one point, didn't we? We had Abdelufay and Amdi Fai. Were they? Were they two? They were two different players, weren't they? Yeah, there was. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't. Were they there at the same time? I th- I can't remember. I, can't. I feel like Fay came just after Amdi left. I might be wrong. Maybe someone can correct us there, but. We definitely have had, obviously, both sound quite similar, don't they? So, mm, yeah. But I'm not sure whether they were at anyway, the same time. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna stump you hopefully this week. So let's uh, right. let the music descend. There, there we go. Uh, as if you don't know the rules, everyone at home, I'm gonna name a list of clubs. It might not be the right order. It might not be all of the clubs. But it's a player has played for these clubs, and they always will have played for Newcastle. So, are you ready, Ollie? I'm ready. Stoke City, Aston Villa, Bolton Wanderers, Manchester City, Newcastle United. And play along at home if you want. You might be screaming at your device you're listening to it on. This is a player who played... I think I've got this. Oh, crikey, you haven't already, have you? But I'm going to wait because I know I've got a, anyone I'll, playing along while listening. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it out. I'll name it again. Stoke City. Bolton Wanderers. Manchester City. Aston Villa. Newcastle United. Now, just to say here, the Bolton bit, I have no recollection of this player playing for Bolton, but the other ones you've mentioned, especially Man City, especially Stoke... Okay, right. I think that's long enough. Ollie, you absolute genius. <laughs> Who is it? It's Stephen Island. It is Stephen Island. <laughs> that really annoys me that it didn't take you longer after mine. Do you know what it is? I had to cut out about four minutes of dead air in the last pod because I was thinking <laughs> for so long. <laughs> I was about to make my tea while you waited last yeah. time. Oh, got there in the God. end though I mean do you know what it is in these sort of games your mind often thinks of those sort of niche players yeah. and the Newcastle Stoke Man City thing Ireland's a classic player who would come up in one of those sort of forgotten Newcastle players because his time at Newcastle was pretty forgettable wasn't it yeah well his time at Bolton I've just actually just checked he did, he actually joined Bolton and then never played for them so oh. that's, oh, well, that's that why, you've, that's why you've got no recollection of it <laughs> oh man <laughs> Uh, I thought that would stump you. Never mind. Well done, Ollie. Uh, thank you, everyone, for everyone for listening. We'll be back later on in the week with a transfer kind of chat roundup, tune transfer talk episode. 
I hope you're enjoying the sun wherever you are and the fact we're in the Champions League and have qualified for it. Please do like the show, share the show, five-star the show, review the show, get involved with the show, ask questions of the show. You can email us at nufcblogcast at gmail.com and you can sign up for the newsletter in the link below. Thank you, everyone. Ollie, say goodbye. See you later. Podcast Network.